back to Aces Up the Sleeve. I'm Patty, co-hosting the co-managing partner of Pocket Aces Racing, or PAR for the quick reference, Jared Shoemaker. And today we're joined by Dana Doherty-Evans for our partner interview episode. How are we both doing tonight? It's a little later than when we usually record, so we're doing the Night Owl episode today. I'm doing really well, thanks. I am fine as can be, and Dana, thank you for taking a, a little bit of time out of your very busy schedule to join us. Um, really looking forward to introducing you to the Pocket Aces Racing uh, family out there that hasn't met you yet. I know you've met a lot of folks over the years, but uh, uh, this will be the first opportunity for some folks to get to know you. So thanks for taking some time and and um, and thank Johnny for, uh, you know, not being a pain in the ass about letting you join us. <laughs> no, well, pro no problem. He's helped me uh, set it all up here at home. <laughs> 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 we might hear him chime in occasionally in the background, hey. folks. If you hear just this random uh, yelling in the distance, that's who you're hearing. See? Well, it's, I was just, there's no possible way he can not chime in for 45, 40, 45 minutes. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> well, folks, in this podcast, before we jump into it in this podcast, we're going to shed light on all things Pocket Aces. We're going to talk about the finer points of syndicate ownership. We're going to discuss what you all of us asked us to talk about. And hopefully by the end of it, you're enlightened, you're inspired, and you're entertained on our topics. Uh, and by the end of the night, you feel like you've learned just a little bit more about us and about the syndicate. So before we get going, Jared, do we want to start with just a quick availability update? We have had some movement. Um, so we have some two-year-olds who are looking to get to the track really soon. Then we've had some of our some of our yearlings that we've been so excited about and talking a lot about. I know a lot of them are starting to slowly sell out and a couple are fully sold out already as well. That, that's right. And uh, we'll start with the two-year-olds first. Uh, it went out to Silver Springs uh, this morning and watched uh, the mall train of uh, the two that are have availability in them. Um, man, they both just were lights out this morning. And especially it's Chemistry Baby, um, who hopefully will have a name in a couple short weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, she just, she looks like a different filly from when I was out there about two weeks ago. She is tucked up and looks like she's ready to go to the track. And in fact, she is about ready to go to the track, but uh, just looks phenomenal and outworked, uh, outworked uh, the, her, her company. Uh, we were, we were there watching, she was working with a, a filly owned by uh, one of the very large, large uh, farms here in central Kentucky. And when they went by us, uh, he asked uh, asked um, Kevin there. He said, "Are you sure we don't own the one that uh, that just really outworked the other one there?" <laughs> it sure would be cool if we did. To which I said, "Well, you can own a piece of that one if you want." Uh, but um, but no, it was so he was he was really even even that 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 gentleman was really really impressed with how well she worked today. And Temple City Magic probably worked the best work that I've seen her work since since we we had her. Uh, she's really, really coming around. You know, we bought her as a two-year-old, uh, never expecting her to be running as a two-year-old um, and knowing that she was just going to get better over time. And she certainly has has done that. Uh, the yearlings, um, now, just for what it's worth, uh, they, they are both pretty much ready to go to the track. Um, they're the, uh, the Temple City Magic is going to go to Brennan Walsh and its chemistry baby is going to go to Ethan West. They're both ready to go, but um, we're going to hold them over until this weekend at, for the open house. So anybody that's going to be attending the open house will get to watch them or uh, out on the track and see them up close and personal. Uh, so and then they'll then they'll both be off to the to the racetrack uh, the following week. 
And if you'd um, like to know a little bit about both the trainers, we've done interviews with both Ethan West and Brennan Walsh. So if you go back through our episodes, you can hear our, our interviews with both those trainers as well, in case you're curious yeah. about the trainers and who they're going to be going to. Absolutely. And then uh, of the yearlings, uh, we bought six, uh, as our regular listeners and partners know. Um, the Lisa Jean 22, the, the Temple City Philly, she sold out. Uh, really, really quickly. And then uh, the Sweet Candy Dance, the War of Will Philly just sold out earlier this evening. Uh, so shares are moving in the other ones. And, you know, they're all, obviously they haven't done much. They're just starting to get the, get the breaking process going and and starting to just the, the very basic lessons of what uh, what it's going to take to be a racehorse. And, uh, but uh, all, all doing just, just fantastic so far. So uh, they they will all be available for uh, for viewing uh, th this weekend at the open house. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Jared, for that quick check in with everybody. Um, we're looking forward to seeing everybody. If you can join us for the open house this coming Saturday, we're looking forward to seeing everybody. And if you can't, we will be live streaming from both the Silver Springs location and from Margot Farm live on our Facebook page. So we're expecting to get the live stream going at about nine o'clock in the morning, but it's take some some setup on occasion. So just give us a, a few minutes. If you don't, if you're there at nine, you don't see us yet. Don't worry about it. It, it will come up. We will be live streaming as well for those who can't make it. <clears throat> we'll start early and show you all the food you're missing yeah uh-huh <laughs> show off our breakfast <laughs> so as i mentioned above in this week's edition we're going to sit down with one of our long-term partners dana and talk about her experiences uh, with pocket aces racing and find out a little bit about what got her into racing what got her into syndicate ownership we're going to take our, our usual trip down memory lane we're going to talk about some of her absolute favorite pocket aces racing horses um, and as jared kind of mentioned above if you want to start dana with maybe how you got into racing uh, and just a little bit of background about yourself or maybe some of our partners who have not met you yet. Um, we can start there and then we can kind of branch into how you got involved with Pocket Aces Racing. Okay, sounds good. Um, I grew up in central Illinois and my family was always really interested in racing. We always watched all the big races, but there weren't any tracks anywhere nearby that I could go to. So it was mostly just watching on TV and enjoying it. Um, but then in 2010, I went to the Breeders' Cup uh, when it was in Louisville at Churchill. And that was really the first big race that I'd ever been to and started wondering if getting involved with a partnership might not be as expensive as I thought it would be. So that's when I started to do my research um, at that time, I was living up in Ohio in Columbus. I lived there for 10 years. And so when I actually got started with Pocket Aces, I was um, I was up, up in Ohio. Real close to Beulah Park, right? Yes. In fact, I never went there. I <laughs> uh, heard lots of stories about it, decided I didn't want to check it out. <laughs> but I drove down to Louisville a lot. So I ended up involved with Pocket Aces and... I ended up driving down almost every weekend to watch the horses train and was looking for a change and ended up deciding to move down to Louisville. And the main reason was actually because of the horses. It's a good place you know, to go. That's for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, Dana, I, I actually uh, shared that story with the Kentucky state legislature when the discussion oh, was up on, um, um, you know the expanded gaming and you know, making you know changing the constitution or changing the laws so that uh -huh. the historical gaming could 
you uphold any uh, any legal challenges and and I shared with them your story exactly it's like you because because we were trying to just really emphasize with the state legislature how important racing is not just to Lexington not just to Louisville not just to Henderson and 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 northern Kentucky but the entire state and yes granted you moved to Louisville but you know, I'm, I'm sitting there telling them, so, you know, we, we have a partner and, and you're not the only partner that has done this. Uh, you know, we, Kelly Woodham is another one, you know, retired yeah. school teacher from Georgia yeah. has moved to Georgetown and she moved up here to be closer to, to the horse industry. And she has her own mares that she breeds now. And, but I told them, so, you know, there's a doctor that was living in Columbus, Ohio, and she got involved with us and fell in love with the industry and, 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 and the animals and just all of it so much and fell in love with the state from coming down here so oh, much yeah. that she moved here and we brought a, a much needed healthcare provider into the state of Kentucky because of <laughs> horse racing and yeah yeah it was horse racing's fault <laughs> yeah, so, so I don't I don't I don't think I'd ever shared that with you before but no your, I didn't know your, that your story uh helped uh, you know officially legalize and codify historical racing in the state of Kentucky well, good. That no, that's good to hear. I like that story. <laughs> How did you find us? So you know, I and I I feel bad because I don't remember which horse it was. I think it was was it Smarty Jones that had all of the owners that came in on the school bus to the Derby. Oh gosh, I don't know. I, it, I, I think don't... it's him or Funny Side, isn't it? That had like the really charismatic one of the two. Ownerships. But I remember seeing the school bus, and there were like teachers on there and everything. So I thought. Maybe I'll just look and see um, if there's any groups around. I knew nothing. I knew nothing about racing other than watching it on TV. So no one in my family had done anything with this. I just started looking online and I decided that I wanted to be involved with one that would be in Kentucky because I knew about Turfway and of course, Churchill and Keeneland. And I thought, well, that's close enough for me that I can drive down. So I just started looking at what partnerships were in Kentucky and there weren't as many as I thought there were at the time. I didn't look at any of the really big ones that were nationwide because I didn't really want to get involved in horses that were on the East or West coast. So pocket aces popped up at the time you had not had, it, it was at the very beginning. Cause this was, it was early on. 11. Yep. So it was still a real small group and I think that you, I think you guys had just purchased two yearlings, which were my first two horses. Um, and that was the first time I think that they were, that you guys were planning on racing them mostly in Kentucky, I think, wasn't it? Uh, Dixie's Hope was the first one, that, but she, okay. we bought her as a two-year-old and we, and we knew that she was going to race primarily in Kentucky okay. and, and pure victory uh, right around that same time. But those were, that was Seeking an Empire and Holiday Kiss. Is that right? Um, it was Kaminari and Holiday right. Kiss. Holiday. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Two Phillies, because I remember talking to you and I asked what I should do. And you said, spread your money out and get as many as you can. And the Phillies always have residual value. Yep. And <laughs> so, so that's what I decided to do. And the advice continues today. <laughs> yes, it and, does. And, you're finding I, and one of your first horses was a stakes winner. You don't get a better start than that. Oh, yeah. That was terrific. I remember the first race she won was at Ellis Park mm -hmm. and we were standing, I was standing with Mark up in the grandstand and I, that was the coolest feeling ever having a horse win a race and getting to be in the winner's circle. And 
And that, I mean, I guess I never really thought that far ahead when I joined right. the partnership. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it turned out really well. And gosh, since then, there have been literally dozens of horses yep. and, <laughs> that and that, you know, that, that first that first common ira uh, win was exciting it's like a three-way photo finish if i recall oh it was really exciting i mean they yeah. just were wing dinging it right down the lane together and it was uh, yeah that was, that was a great great race it was so and yeah you've been on in on a bunch since then lots I and used you're in on a bunch to, now yeah i used to come down from ohio and i would with, that's when we were training them out in LaGrange before they mm -hmm. would go to the track. And so I spent a lot of time with those two and a lot of time with the next two that I had, which was Aces High and Copper Plate. And I was with them almost every weekend from when we got them until well, I was there when we bought them right. and that's then right. until they went to the track. And so I really uh, that was really special for me. And um, gosh, now I live 10 minutes from Churchill so I can go over there anytime I want. But that was that was a really big deal when I first started. And um, and I did a couple at a time and just kept adding. Yeah. And then, man, three out of those first four were really something. And, oh, and Holiday yeah. Kiss was just a sweetheart. You know, she wasn't much of a racehorse, but man, she was a sweet, sweet filly. So you, you had a really sure good tried. Start. And I love the fact that one of our partners actually owns her now. In yep, Missouri. Pam, uh, mm -hmm, that's Pam, right. Um, Pam Guest they, owns her now. And uh, so she ended up with a really good home. She didn't do a whole lot as a broodmare, but now she's got a really good home. And and that's kind of neat to see that come full circle. Yep. And uh, yeah, she she had one or two foals and one one of the babies sold really, really well. And that but that was about it. And um, mm -hmm. uh, so Pam's got her now and it's just uh, she couldn't she couldn't ask for a better uh a better forever home. I know Pam right. takes wonderful care of her. We get we get a fair you know, fair number of updates on her and how she's doing. So it's, yeah, uh, it's just terrific. That's great. So so since we kind of have an idea now, what you know, just basically just general fandom and just a love of horses is what brought you into this and and, and what got you hooked up with us and and we couldn't be more thankful for you know you've been with us over ten years now and. And uh, you're still going strong. And I think you got a little mad at me this time because you were planning on not buying into as many. And, and I you know kept saying, you just kept saying, hang on it, quit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I wasn't going to get in on any this year, but that didn't happen. <laughs> no, that just, um, you know, it's addictive, you know, isn't it? It's just kind of it's like tattoos. You just got to keep getting more. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> the lies we tell ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. So, if, if you think about, um, yeah, this is an interesting question. I don't think we've asked any anybody else this. So we we ask people often, you know, how racing has changed. You know, especially our trainers. You know, how has the game changed since you since you got involved? How how has the syndicate experience changed since you've gotten involved? Because we're a lot uh, different than we were a long time ago. Yes, it's an awful lot different than it was because when I first started, it was. Um, a website and some email updates, but now it's, it, it's a whole lot. There's a whole lot more to it. And I really appreciate that as an owner. One of the things I always tell people that I appreciate the most is the good communication. Um, and now we've got the, um, the app that we can be on to check on everything mm -hmm. as well. And lots more pictures, the videos now that we get of the horses working out and being able to 
to get in touch with other owners. I've really enjoyed that because people do come from all over the country and actually different parts of the world um, and all different backgrounds. And that's been just as much fun for me as anything else. No, that's great. That's good stuff. So if you think about your time in the industry as an owner, how how have you, you know, kind of watching it, you're kind of sort of on the outside, you're sort of on the inside, you know, you're kind of in the midst, you know, you know I would say you, you, you have a much more um, involved and, and, and knowledgeable uh, knowledge base than probably most of the fans of racing. So what are your thoughts on the current state of the game? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> we like those around here. I'm sorry that wasn't on, that wasn't on that wasn't on the list of approved questions, but I yeah. tend to go off I tend to go off script most of the but time. But hey, if question. you if you want to give me clickbait, I'll be very happy to play that <laughs> up on social media. <laughs> well, I will say that that I am very proud of our track record, and I know that there's a lot of other owners like we are who are looking for the trainers that are on the up and up and do things the right way and uh, catch things early. And all of that kind of stuff. I um, I do think that in some respects, with some tracks, it's gotten to be less of a of a sport for the everyday fan, which I think right. is a shame. I remember watching racing on Wide World of Sports every weekend. Um, yeah. You didn't have to have any special channel. You didn't have to live near any track. And now it seems like it's getting to be more for a a particular group and um i'm hoping that 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 changes and it's it's interesting because while i see them moving more towards the upper end clientele there's also still tracks that cater to everybody i feel like keeneland does that um you yeah, know sometimes people just go there <laughs> and hang out you know ellis yeah. park definitely oh, because absolutely. Ellis Park just feels like you're just hanging out at a county fair. Um, and that's so a way I, to, that's a great way to describe Ellis Park. Well, the first time I was there, there were wiener dog races and there was a bunch of nuns having a picnic. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought this place is really cool. Um, but I feel like I am lucky because as an owner, I have access to more things that I would have and be able to do more things than I would as a regular fan. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you you definitely have much more of an inside uh, knowledge about just how difficult this game is. And, and oh, yeah, you know, I think one of the things that surprise that, that people are surprised about the most. And I, I hear this comment all the time. Uh, why can't we get it? Why can't we get our horse into a race? What is yes. what yeah. is going on here? Why why is this so difficult? Why can't we just throw him out in a race? Or, you know, oh, yeah. Like <laughs> I had no idea about any of that stuff. I learned so much the first few years just by talking to you guys and hanging out at the barns and I didn't know about conditions and any of that stuff. I just figured you needed to race. So you raced. Yeah. <laughs> just, 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 just throw them out there. Right. <laughs> right. I, yeah. It would, that was, you're right. That's one of the most surprising things when you get involved that you would never know about just by watching the races on TV, because those are all stakes races. Right. Yeah. So you don't learn about the, the on your way up races yeah. or the on the or the on your way down or the you know well, let's yeah. just get, get to yep. wherever we can we can uh you know just just compete at the at the best level you know for the longest time whatever that whatever that horse's level may be so yeah mm-hmm. there's a lot to it and and just you know getting 
you know, the, the extras and which races get used and which races don't get used. I mean, that, I, I think a lot of people find that really, really frustrating. Yes. Um, yeah. And the fact and, that and horses the get, that horses get colds <laughs> and they have a <laughs> right. runny yeah. nose, so you can't run them in a race. I remember the first time I saw that, I thought, what in the world? <laughs> but it's, you know, that that's just stuff that happens to them just like it does to us. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they they get um they get the sniffles, they get body aches, they they have days that just aren't always their best days. So, um, you know, they're like people. They they can't be on one hundred percent all the time. And right. I think they're they're not I machines. Think, and I think a lot of people miss that. Right. And I think another thing is that people assume that when you own a horse, you know if they're going to win or not. Like they ask <laughs> you who to bet on and when to bet, and right. I keep telling them like most of the time. Not most time, but a lot of the times when they win, it's just as surprising for us. <laughs> I was thinking back to Irish Aces win when he was up in Indianapolis recently. Mm -hmm. I I didn't want to tell anybody when I tell people my horses are racing, they tend to all bet on them. And then when they don't win, you know, so I kind of yeah. kept it hush hush. And then here he goes and blows everybody out of the water. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's still exciting, asking, even if you're yeah. an owner, because you don't always know. No. And and pe people were giving me grief after he won last Thursday at Keeneland. Like, well, why didn't you tell me that we should bet on him? So well, I didn't even bet on him myself. I didn't know. <laughs> exactly. Right. I didn't bet on him. But that doesn't mean anything because I kind of think I jinx it sometimes. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I've told Dave Brown many times that he doesn't get to watch races uh, because when he when he's not watching, <laughs> if he forgets. We tend to win. He's busy on a job uh, that, that it tends to work out well for us. So <laughs> I know he, I know uh, he was not watching live last week, and uh, we just need to keep it that way. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what, what what are some other things that surprised you when you when you got in as an owner that you just didn't expect? For and you know, just you, you shared a lot of good stuff. I'm just, is there anything else? You know, I think the whole process of choosing a trainer is really interesting. Okay. Um, because. I guess I didn't realize how many trainers there were, which, which again, coming from just watching it on TV, you see the same trainers all the time in the yeah, big races. You would think right. there's 10 for the whole country or something. Right, right. And so you don't realize. And then all the logistics that goes into why you would put one horse with a certain trainer versus a different trainer. And that's, I find that all very, uh, very interesting. That's a big part of it. And then the fact that, you know, trying to decide when they're done, mm -hmm. you know, they don't tell yeah. you. So just watching along with their career or retiring them when they're at the top or whatever it may be, just those and, and deciding when they're going to start as well. You know, we have horses that have started as two-year-olds. Horses don't start till they're later in their three-year-old year and learning about why and all of that kind of stuff is really fascinating to me. Uh, that that that's good that, that so these are these are the kind of things that i can definitely use uh, as we're talking to new people and yeah. uh and 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 hey here's some expectations you might have so i appreciate right. you sharing sharing yeah. those insights so sure. so um before we get into some of your favorite uh, pocket aces racing moments and and horses and so forth uh imagine that for a little bit that you are queen for a day in racing you can change one thing what do you change in North American race? Oh boy. I love how everyone has the same reaction. Like, why would you put me on the carpet and just give me one? <laughs> this one was on the list. You know, it was, it was on the list to be fair. I, it, it's not one thing, 
But okay. I think that we need to start breeding more for long-term stability. Okay. And and I think there's a lot of people that think that way. Rather than horses that retire at three, it would be nice if you had horses that had more sta- more longevity mm-hmm. and and health. And breeding sounder horses that yes. uh, were meant to run more often and longer periods. So, just like it breeding, used to be. Yeah. So breeding yeah. soundness is like a whole yes. like a whole category. As opposed to breeding sound. as opposed to breeding for sales. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I I think that's more of what the public would want because they want to watch him race. It was so much fun watching Cigar race over all of those years because he kept coming back year after year. And then that is what keeps fans involved with the sport. Well, and I I definitely cannot agree more. I think that's why Phillies and mares too tend to accumulate a bigger fan base nowadays than some of like even the triple crown race cults because I think people now have come have some kind of expectation that they hope it would be different, but I think a lot of people just expect them to retire just on it at the end of their three year old year when they win a triple crown race. I think a lot right. of people just expect them to retire now. Whereas with yeah. Phillies and mares, you have a very consistent base. Like we we use her as an example all the time, but Temple City Terror, like half right. the photography community sends me stuff. And I had no idea they knew she existed, but I would we'd get we'd get tagged in photos of her at Keeneland in the morning by like six different people who shoot for three different outlets. And but they loved her because they could follow her and they could see and they could see how happy she was. And and people love that. And I think that's why a lot of people kind of sometimes it'll condescendingly say that the Phillies and the mares are what's going to save us. (laughs) Well, and I think the other thing, too, people kind of get you know if you're new to the sport and you talk about gelding one of your horses real young it it you know people get real worried about that but when i see that to me it means they're potentially going to race a whole lot longer yeah and there have been some yep. wonderful geldings uh in the sport wise yep. dan was one of my wise favorites dan was fabulous you just ran you know they could run for a really long time because mm-hmm. they're you know they're going to be around for the people to root for them yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely and, and you know it's and, and, and it's, it's tough i you know we've obviously we've never been in in the position to have uh a male that was that successful on the track and man i, I have to tell you on, on the one hand it would be great to be able to have a, a horse that won multiple grade stakes at, at at two and three years old and just say you know what we're going to keep on going and we're going to keep on racing but man, it'd be hard to do it because those those yep. breeding farms are throwing mm-hmm. you a ton right. of dough. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I I, I, under, I certainly understand uh, the decisions that the, these owners are making, but but I, but I also I certainly agree that man, it'd be nice to see some of them. I'd love to see Archangelo run, you know, for another year or two, but it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You no, know, yeah. it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think that might be part of what made Nick's go. Uh, you know, Nick's go once he got going. You know, he he, he ran and and kept on going and you know he was around for a couple couple seasons and yeah uh, so you know every now and then there have been horses like that and and i think it it allows it does allow us a a bigger following and fan base to get behind them but i it's hard to it's hard to say but yeah not having been in that position (laughs) i can't say what i would do yeah exactly exactly so Think back, go think back down uh, memory lane. I think you've already mentioned one of them, Kaminari's first uh, first victory. But uh, just yeah. talk to some about some of your 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 more exciting moments, uh, your your best memories. Um, 
and you know some of them might be big races some of them might be just those you know those weekend mornings out at uh, at, at high point so just just what are some of the highlights over the yeah. years yeah um I, my favorite memories are when i would go hang out at high point at the farm with aces high and copper plate um just because that was the first time i was really around horses for an extended period of time where I could start to see personalities and things like that. Um, the big bruise I got on my arm when copper plate decided to try to take a bite out of it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it could be a but, little nippy at times. Yep. That's okay. Um, and you know, some of our horses have been a lot more photogenic and, and appealing to the crowd than others. And aces high was always one of those who would ham it up for the camera and seem to know when everybody was there to watch him race and, and all of that. And so he's, that's one of my favorite ones um, was, was both of them. Um, Temple city terror, of course, mm -hmm. yep. you know, our biggest win that we've had with the partnership when she won the um, stakes race at Keeneland, that was, the Dowager. that was super exciting. The Dowager. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um that was super exciting, but you know, just as much I've enjoyed watching high powered, um, mm -hmm. because he's like the little engine that could, he just keeps going and he's sound and he seems to love it. And he puts in his best effort almost every time, you know, yeah. you just, you know, he's going to show up and there's something to be said for those horses. And we've had several of them. Conjuring was another horse that was like that. And um, and we've had Man, some other just, ones. She just ran her eyeballs out. Every time. Yeah, that just keep plugging along, and every time you know that they're gonna gonna put in their best effort. And like Holiday Kiss being one of the first ones, she she just didn't have the talent, but she did have the heart. I mean, she tried every time. She just couldn't quite make it. Uh, unlike um, another one of our horses that I mentioned earlier, Seeking an Empire, who had all yeah. of the talent and hated to run. Uh, yes. Yeah. And that's what I think is it's interesting because you can look at a horse and they can be beautiful and they can have a terrific pedigree, but you don't know what's going on in their head. And I like it when we're starting them out and we get all the reports back that, you know, they seem to be liking to run or they, you know, they can't wait to get out on the track and things like that, because then, you know, like, well, they're interested. So that's mm -hmm. half the battle right there. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, because it's just. I, mean, I can think of several over the years that, you know, they had a little bit of ability, but it's just, they'd much rather just be rolling around in the mud or, yep. or, you know, or Twilight King just laying down in a stall with his head out <laughs> in the shed row, yeah. uh, which he did yep. constantly. Cause that's just, you know, he was just, he was just kind of lazy. It's was not like, you know, and he ran when he'd get out on the track, but uh, you know, they're, they're just, they all have different personalities and, yep, and if they do, could, if you could figure out that, the ones that have the drive and the heart before you purchased them, man, that'd be a whole lot. Well, yeah, lot that would be great. <laughs> One of my other favorites was 19th street and she was great. Oh, yeah. And she's the first horse that my husband was ever around. And I remember when we first started, he wasn't even really sure if he wanted to go up to him or what. And she was such a, she was such a good horse to get somebody used to horses mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. plus she could run, you know, she was terrific, yeah. Yeah. but she was, a she was a real uh, popular one around the barn. I know just because she was so sweet. And she, and she's a perfect example of a horse that didn't look like much, but did have mm -hmm. talent and did have heart. I mean, you know, she just, she was just kind of a plain, 
plain yep. brown wrapper you know there wasn't much to her but man she she was great dana please remind me on saturday at the open house to make sure at, when we're at silver springs for you to see opposite the crowd which is 19th streets full. oh mm -hmm. yes two-year-old by bolt duro okay yeah so oh yeah i definitely there. will and uh, okay so let's make sure don't let me forget to point her out and i won't I, I'll, I'll i'll remember to send an email to, or send a text to kevin tonight or tomorrow to make sure that uh, that she's on the list that we're gonna see so it's interesting um, trying to keep up with all the foals of all the fillies that you've had because <laughs> yeah. we've had several mm -hmm. of them that have gone on to be brood mares mm -hmm. and trying to keep track of all of the the babies and how are they doing and are they any good and um you know we've got some of them have ended up being pretty good um yeah. and ones that we've bred um the candy stand philly yeah ended yeah. up doing really well so Fine yeah black. yep Oh, and, and Storm uh, Temple Pilot. I forgot it, but forgot about her. She was, that was another one where I remember one of the biggest ones I remember is that she broke from the gate so fast that the, that the announcer missed her. Yeah. Um, and when they started announcing the race, they completely missed that she had shot out to the front uh, before everybody else. Cause she was just that fast out of the gate. She was yes. pretty amazing. She she was lightning quick out of the out of the gate. Yeah. I I, I will I my favorite two races uh that we've ever run were were her races. I shouldn't say favorite races, my favorite race calls that I've ever heard. Oh, yes. Uh, the the <laughs> two up at Canterbury Park. And mm -hmm. the, the the track announcer clearly was a fan of Stone Temple Pilot. Yes, <laughs> uh, because he always worked their songs into the race calls with her, and and then after she won the second race up there, they immediately started playing Stone Temple Pilots as soon yes. as she crossed the finish line. <laughs> I thought great. that was great. Yep, uh, yeah. I, I watched absolutely. those all the time just because I just he was so good at working those in. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So, so. uh I think the last thing again, this was not on, not on the, not on the sheet that you got, but if, if you're, you know, if you're talking to somebody else or you know, let's, let's assume there's people out there that, that haven't been involved in ownership, haven't been involved with us. Um, what, what would you recommend that those folks that are thinking about going down this path, what should they be looking for? What questions should they be asking and what information should they be trying to get from the people they're talking to uh, about joining their partnerships? I think the biggest thing is to make sure you know what your goal is as an owner. Um, if you are wanting to be involved and you want to be hands-on and you want to be at the races and you want to find out everything that's going on, you're going to be looking for a different kind of partnership than if you're only in it to try to win, which is not a good reason to be in it anyway but i've in talking with people in in that have been involved in different things the if you're interested in communication making sure that you're going to get regular updates and that you're going to be told whenever something happens you don't want to find out some that something happened two weeks ago that was a big deal but you were never told or via the uh, grapevine because that's or, yeah worse. exactly exactly or, or are you fine or maybe you're involved in one of the largest operations currently in the country that has very minuscule pieces of ownership 
that decides to sell your horse without telling anybody. And only, you only right. find out about it when you just happen to be watching uh, exactly. the sales online, uh, which yeah, has, thing, has happened. Yeah. I think knowing how the partnership treats the owners, does it matter how much you own uh, as to how what privileges you're going to be able to have? Pocket aces, you could own a small part, but you're treated just like an owner. I mean, a regular owner. It doesn't matter how much of that horse you have. And um, and then how they choose their trainers, because to me, that's really important. We want to keep the horses sound. We want to keep them safe. We don't want people that have had a lot of violations and stuff like that. And, and I, that was really important to me when I was looking at the other partnerships as what were the records of their trainers not win play show records but you know ethically how the rap sheet how are they doing yeah exactly (laughs) exactly and um and you know for me wanting to be being interested in the horses as much as the racing I like being able to have the ability, although I don't do it as much anymore, but you know, you can go see the horses, I blame Johnny. get to go to all the races. You get to, you know, you, you aren't in a drawing for who gets to go to the race, you know, that sort of thing. I think that's really important. I know there are people that join pocket aces who aren't ever even able to come to a race, but they decide to do it because they still feel like they're super involved with all of the communication. And and I think that's pretty cool. But I think that says a lot that even if you're not able to be here, you still are choosing this group. You know, and, and I've I've been amazed at the number of people that that have joined and stay with us year after year after year and still have never seen a horse in person. Um yeah. so I appreciate you bringing that up. But um, but Dana, I I want to say, you know, I, again, I, I thank you so much for giving us your time tonight. But I thank you for giving us your time and your support uh, since, you know, for, for more than 10 years now, I guess we'll go to 12, 13 years now. And, you know, not every horse has been a great success no. um, and you've stuck with us and we appreciate that. <laughs> and, and I appreciate the time that you take uh, to, to hop on the phone with people that are, that are thinking about joining the partnership and, and, you know, spending time with them, um, you know, when you see them at the track and, um, you know, just so everything you everything you do for us over the years have done for us over the years and continue to do. Um, we just we thank you so much and, and appreciate you. We wouldn't we wouldn't be where we are here without the support of you and, and and so many other partners just like you. Well, I really appreciate it. I you know, this is it really is a dream come true. One of my dreams when I was little since I was little was to be was to own a racehorse. So without you guys, I wouldn't be able to do that. And it's been such a a positive experience throughout all of this. And, you know, sometimes I still have to pinch myself as I'm walking through the tunnel at Churchill that I'm going out to watch one of my horses. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's crazy cool that that this is available for what I consider just, you know, regular old people. Uh, Yeah. Thank you. I, I just appreciate that that so much. And and uh, I had a similar I had a text from another longtime partner that I hope to get on here one of these days, uh, echoing those sentiments. Uh, sentiments, you know, um, just hey, thanks for letting regular folks get involved in owning racehorses. Yes, uh, so. definitely. definitely. Well, again, thanks thanks so much for everything, Dan. I can't wait to see you uh, on Saturday. And uh, Patty, uh, as always, close take us take us home. Yeah, absolutely. The final leg. Here we go, family.
Thanks everybody for tuning in this week. Our listener count is continuing to rise. We see you guys listening. We appreciate all of your support as well. Make sure that you're subscribed to any of the channels that you can find our podcast on. It's all available on the castos.com page. That page is also on all of our social medias, which is Facebook, Instagram, and the Bird app. We don't call it by the new name anymore. But also make sure that you are subscribed to the YouTube channel and you hit that bell to get those notifications for when the projects start going live. But other than that, have a happy Wednesday, everybody. Have a safe Wednesday. Make good choices. And the podcast is out. 